Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room from the Mother City, Cape Town, South Africa. And I can tell you, it is absolutely freezing and bucketing down with rain. So I'm delighted that the big sporting events of the weekend are mainly in the summer northern hemisphere, albeit we do have one massive event here in South Africa which we will leave till last to talk to not only or not talk only about the rugby between South Africa and Australia, but also stay with us because you'll hear from Jacques Ninaber, the Springbok coach, and you'll also hear from Marvin Ori, the Springbok lock forward. But let's start off with what can you expect on what is, I guess, a super sporting weekend internationally. Um, because there are, and particularly in the United Kingdom, not one, not two, but three massive events in and around the United Kingdom. Um, in fact, all three in the United Kingdom, not all exactly close to each other. Let's start with the one that we all know and we love, and I'm sure we've been watching, and that's at the All England Door Tennis and Croquet Club. And as you all know, due to the load shedding problems we have in South Africa, to make sure you get a program every Friday evening, in fact, every evening, what we do is we record this when we know we're not going to have load shedding. So it's not live this evening, as usual. We are recording the program. So some of the results are perhaps outdated, but what's coming up over the weekend clearly is the weekend's events. So let's start with the tennis at the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club. Let's update you as to where we are so far. Matches coming up later on this evening. We'll see Novak Djokovic face his old rival Stanislav Wawrinka for the 27th time when they clash later on in the fourth round of Wimbledon. There's also the world number one, Carlos Alcaraz. He'll take on the Frenchman, Alexandre Muller. And the second-ranked, Arena Savalenka, targets a place in the last 32. So it's been 17 years since these two Grand Slam warriors first met, and today's meeting will be their 27th clash between Wawrinka and Djokovic. Amazing how Wawrinka, the 38-year-old, has managed to get through to this part of the competition. The other big matches today, Carlos Alcaraz against Alexander Melier, the Spanish world number one and top seed is widely seen as the only obstacle in the path of Novak Djokovic. Well, <laughs> let's see. Let us see, because it uh, is contentious as to whether this young Spaniard is strong enough in terms of his fitness, bearing in mind what happened in the French Open on a five-setter against the Djokovic dynamic grass court play. As far as the ladies are concerned, great stuff there. Varvara Gracheva from France takes on Arena Sabalenka. Those are the two big matches that will take place over the weekend. We hope to bring you some more stuff on Monday with regards to some of the other games that take place. Um, Cameron Norrie, the Brits, will have a second round clash against Chris Eubanks of the United States. Now, it's interesting because Chris Eubanks 
not this Chris Eubanks, but Chris Eubank obviously was a very famous boxer about a decade or so, 15, 20 years ago. Um, as far as other matches are concerned of interest that you might be wondering, um, Alexander Rublev takes on David Goffin. That could be a bit of a, a surprise result there. Um, and Irena Svitlina takes on Sandra Kennan of the United States. But it's been a fantastic week so far at Wimbledon. The celebrities have been there. Bear Grylls was there. David Beckham was there. And, of course, the king sat next to the princess. Yes, the King Roger Federer was there sitting next to the Princess of Wales. So uh, it's all pomp and circumstance. It's all beautiful strawberries and cream, champagne, pims, and a couple of gin and tonics at the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club. Now, let's move a little bit further away from Wimbledon and move to Silverstone, because this weekend it doesn't get much bigger. Pretty much 80% of the Formula One racing teams are based in and around Silverstone and Woking and places like that uh, in the United Kingdom. And, of course, it might not be a home Grand Prix necessarily because the drivers might not come from the United Kingdom. But as I say, the majority of the cars are factories are based in and around Silverstone. It is a wonderful, wonderful Grand Prix. If you ever get a chance to go to a Grand Prix, Monaco or Silverstone are the two to go to. Um, they are quite fantastic. The crowds at Silverstone are incredible. And of course, um, they really do have quite a few drivers to shout for this year. The Red Bull team, very close indeed to Silverstone in working with, they are based, albeit neither of their drivers are British, and I say that yet, because I still think Lando Norris is going to end up going there. Um, there's also, uh, of course, the Mercedes team, albeit a German team, but also based around Silverstone, with Sir Lewis Hamilton in the car. Then there's Lando Norris, whom, of course, everybody seems to love. So there's a whole lot of reasons why the crowds will come out. There's also a whole lot of reasons why they will want to watch and are cheering Fernando Alonso. He, of course, uh, is the star, really, of the season. When you think of the fact that he is the oldest uh, dude out there, he's certainly had the most races out there, and he's had, outside of Max Verstappen, podium finish in, I think, every one but bar one of the races, or bar two of the races so far this season. So, quite incredible. Um, and uh, there's a lot to talk about with regards to the Grand Prix. Now, the seven British-based Formula One teams have asked the government to ease post-Brexit border crossings and permit problems and are hopeful of a solution. The team bosses along our Formula One head, Stefano Dominicali, and other representatives have attended a meeting this week at Downing Street with the Culture Secretary, Lucy Fraser. They had a good meeting with the government. They've asked for their supports. It's doable but not efficient trying to cross the border at the moment. Britain's departure from the European Union ended freedom of movement for European Union citizens in Britain, as well as for goods and services. Now, the motorsport industry employs more than 40,000 people in Britain and has an annual turnover of $11.43 billion. The Renault-owned Alpine have, or Alpine have their Formula One factory at Enstone in central England, a short drive from Silverstone. They have 900 employees. Their engines are made in France by Renault. Alpine's sports factory is in France. The other British teams, Mercedes, McLaren, Williams, Red Bull, Haas, and Aston Martin. It's only Ferrari and Red Bull-owned Alfa Tauri that are based in Italy, and Alfa Romeo Saba are in Switzerland. So the problem is that to get car parts back and forth has become 
problematic. It was a lot better before Brexit. And then the other news so far this uh, week has been the announcement of a 24-race calendar for 2024. It'll run from March to December, with tests taking place in February ahead of the opening race. And Fernando Alonso said he believed it was too much and was sure to be a strain on team members as the season stretched almost across the whole year. He made his debut with Minardi in 2001. The 41-year-old driver embarked on a season of 17 races. Mostly they were in Europe from March to October. Now, Fernando, I really like you, and and I'm one of your biggest uh, fans in terms of size and vocally, because I think you're great. And I think at your age, the fact that you can get out there and drive is fantastic. But you know what, Fernando? We all work 52 days of the year. We have a couple of weeks off. Some of us have two weeks. Some of us have three weeks. Some of us work every single day. So shame on you for saying too many races, 23 races every second weekend. Come on. I know you fit, but it's a job. You get paid an awful lot of money. And we want to watch you, Fernando. We want to watch you. Now, Fernando had a lot to say this week. Uh, he also said that racing in the rain and spray is Formula One's biggest safety concern. Um, there was a trial of a mudguard-style device that could be fast-tracked onto cars if it works. The trial has been in planning since last year, but has acquired greater significance since the death last weekend of the 18-year-old Dutchman Delano van der Hoff in a wet junior series race at Spa. McLaren and Mercedes were providing the test cars, one with and one without the modifications. What a great weekend it promises to be. All of this aside, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone Always quite fantastic to watch. So that's Wimbledon and the British Grand Prix out of the way. The other major sporting event and so much controversy around what's going on in the Ashes. Let's start with the news that the Marleybone Cricket Club, that's the MCC, said it will take a tougher stance on the behaviour of its members and introduce measures to protect players at Lords after the Australian team were verbally abused during the second Ashes test against England. Now, I don't condone the verbal abuse, but our oh, shame, Australia. You give it out, but when you get it back, you can't handle it. Seriously, I've been to cricket games in Australia, and oh my God, goodness the hill in sydney you should hear what the abuse is that they shout at the players anyway three members have been suspended after the incident in the long run which occurred during the lunch interval after johnny besto's controversial stumping on the fifth day of the match it's not controversial don't talk nonsense it was just a simple error of judgment from johnny besto it's been blown completely out of proportion but for those of you who don't know absolute beauty of the Lord's long room is that the players walk off the field, they walk up the steps, and then depends which dressing room you're in, the home dressing room or the away dressing room, you turn left or right, and you actually walk into the long room, through the long room, out the back doors of the long room, up the stairs to the dressing room. I've been on that walk. There weren't members there. It was empty when I was there. But you get goosebumps on your goosebumps when you walk through there. The tradition, the paintings on the wall, the photographs. It's almost like the the spirits of cricket speak to you as you walk through there. And it would be so sad if that tradition was taken away. I don't know anywhere else where it actually is like that. There might be places like that. But anyway, so the test match is currently on. There's been booing. There's been abuse. There's been this wonderful chanting and singing by the England fans. It's all part of the game. You know, like I said at the beginning of this insert, 
If you give it out, Australia, you need to take it back. But I will also say one thing. In defense of the Australians, I think the media has made much more of this than the Australian players have done. I've seen interviews with Pat Cummings, and he's kind of brushed it aside. He's Alex Carey was worried, or he said that there might be a worry about the, the way he would be treated when he came onto the field. Yes, he got booed. Okay, he was lucky yesterday that he came on at the start of play off the tee because he didn't come on. Uh, the wicket fell before tee, so he didn't have to come out and back until off the tee. So it's not like he came onto the field in the middle of play. But you know what? I can promise you right now, Alex Kerry did not give a rat's you-know-what about the boos that the England players were giving him. His thought and only thought was he's going to try and score 100 and that'll be a finger up in the face of the spectators and that's what it's all about the the banter and the fun that goes on will be amazing anyway that continues of course the ashes as brilliant as it is um at headingly in leeds and I, I did mention it on another radio show that i did that it was quite remarkable that the boundary and the stand at square leg actually borders Ellen Road, which is the home of Leeds United, and you would have thought yesterday's play, there was a soccer game going on by the unbelievable crowds and the noise and the support and the cheering and the chanting that went on there. So wonderful stuff. Now, the other big event that continues over the weekend is, of course, the Tour de France. And it's really is getting a little bit exciting now. Um, and maybe over the weekend, Mark Cavendish might break that brilliant record that he holds with Eddie Merckx of 35. If he does, it'll be 35 stage wins he's got 34 at the moment um could be amazing so the tour de france of course continues over the weekend saturday sunday and traditionally the rest day on monday right last but not least it is the big clash that we've all been waiting for it is south africa against australia lots of unknown factors neither of these teams have had a warm-up it's been described as like a box of chocolates <laughs> by Rusty Erasmus, the way uh, Eddie Jones puts out a team. He, of course, was with South Africa when they won the World Cup. And understand Bok coach Jacques Ninava, Rusty Erasmus, they all know each other. But neither team have actually had an outing yet as far as the season is concerned. There's been quite a, a break with regards to the Super Rugby in New Zealand and Australia and the United Rugby Championship that the uh, South African teams have played in. South Africa, I guess, has a slight advantage over the fact that quite a few of our players have played internationally in terms of their club commitments in France and other places in Europe. So they are a little bit more match fit, I guess, than what some of the players that have played domestically might be. But that's just a bone of contention. I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. The one thing that is so crucial with regards to uh, this game is the fact that the venue, Loftus Fasfeld in Pretoria, 30, 40 kilometers from Johannesburg, for those of you who don't no, first of all, it's like playing on a concrete surface because it is hard as you know what on that field. It can be and most probably will be bitterly cold because of this massive cold front that's moving across South Africa at the moment. And the fact that 60 years, 60 years, uh, Australia have not managed to beat South Africa at Loftus Festival. The stadium was sold out in under an hour. 52,000 screaming South Africans will be in the stadium. So let's hear from Springbok coach Jacques Nava. Obviously, Eddie is working with a different group of players with different skill sets. 
Um, so he will probably adapt to that. Um, and for us, I think the key thing for South Africa is just to focus on our own things because we're not 100% sure what they're going to get. If you look at rugby, rugby will stay rugby uh, and set pieces will be important, getting momentum will be important. But I think probably because of, uh, of the uh, conditions, I think Super Rugby is a little bit uh, quicker. And uh, I think uh, the, the brand that they would like to play in Super Rugby is probably a little bit quicker, more continuity, uh, where I believe that URC is a little bit more grindy type of games because of conditions a lot of times where it's wet and windy and uh, playing for territory is a, a important a important way to get to get a result so um, yeah I think it's just a little bit quicker it was uh, a couple of discussions it, 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 um, we probably selected every second day we we, we, we chopped and change and, and there's a lot of things that influence our decision uh, and which uh, guys to keep here and which guys to send but we were quite open with it and uh, we believe that uh, to be competitive if you think you fly on Sunday and, and you only arrive there on, on, a, on a Tuesday um, a late, late night, I think you only have one or two sessions to prepare for New Zealand and, and that would be quite tough to get a result there uh, and that's why we decided to go this route. No, no, Duane. Duane has been captain for us before uh, in rugby championship um, when 2019. Uh, funny enough, when we also was leading up uh, into the World Cup and Sia was injured. Uh, so quite easy in terms of that. We know what we get from Duane as a captain, very experienced and a calm head. But uh, we are fortunate. There's a lot of good captains, you know. Uh, if you think Kitsi is a captain at his franchise, Gibbon has captained the team before. Uh, Lucanio has been vice captain, I think he captained in the SAA and they've played against uh, the British and Irish Lions. Uh, Damien Dalenda, if you look across the board, I think there's a, a lot of uh, good leaders out there. I think uh, John Klein, yeah, yes, excited for him uh, to debut for South Africa. I think it will be a big day for him and his family. Um, but obviously he's quite, he's, he played test rugby before for Ireland. And uh, what we expect uh, from, uh, from John is, is what John brings, uh, what he has brought since we coached him at Munster and since we coached him at, at the Stormers, you know, so just typical John Klein style. We don't know if Quade Cooper is going to play. Uh, if he does play, he's a, obviously a very uh, experienced um, uh, fly-off, you know, and he's got a, a range of skill sets, so he's one that we will have to um, uh, close eye on. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll speculate and uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, when Eddie announces his team. If you look at uh, between Vili and Lucanio, obviously if you look at the back, back three, uh, they obviously are the guys with the test cap, so I think uh, their voice and their calm head and their decision-making capability will be important uh, in terms of guiding Kirtley on the one side and Cannon on the other side. So yeah, no, uh, I think that's a good combo between uh, Andre, uh, probably a little bit less caps, and the, and the two wingers. It's nice to have those two comments there. Uh, that's Springbok coach Jacques Ninabo talking about tomorrow's clash at Loftus Fastfold. One of the players uh, who will be involved in the game. Now, of course, South Africa have uh, split their squad and sent some players uh, off to New Zealand uh, for the game against the All Blacks, and they've kept some here against the uh, Wallabies. And one of those players that's here and playing tomorrow, let's hear from Marvin Ori, the lock forward. Marvin, obviously, so a big game. It's, there's a lot expected of you guys, especially to send the, set the trend for the season in the World Cup here. Yeah, of course. Um, it's the first match of the of the season for South Africa, and uh, for all of us who will be involved, it's, it's uh, of course is a big responsibility to get the season off to a good start. Um, but with that said, um, it's, it's uh, 
For me, I think it's dangerous to look too far ahead. We have to 100% focus on the position for the weekend, which is Australia, and put all of our energy into winning the match. How's the how's the um, the training been going, especially with guys like Erke and John coming back? How's that sort of increased the, the competitiveness in the squad? No, of course, 100% it's increased the competitiveness, but also I think we were upset to them because obviously they beat us in the final of the club competition. So, but yeah, they slotted in. Um, of course, Erk hasn't been in the, with the national team for a while, and uh, uh, Jake has his first time in South Africa, you know. So, um, top guys, uh, really quality players as well. Together with the other second rows, uh, it's a lot of good competition, which I think is great for the team. And uh, we've been pushing each other in training, and hopefully they'll all come off on Saturday. Have they been chirping you guys about, about the final? No, fair play. They were, they've been quite humble about it. In front of us, of course, we don't know what they're doing, what they're saying behind our backs, but fair play, they, they, they were quite humble about it. And yeah, credit to them, man, for doing well with the club. I'm sure you, you could ask this inside there as well. I'm sure you've had some thoughts about it. Will Skelton, Richie Arnold, some big units. Um, Guys definitely don't miss a meal at, at times and they're quite heavy as well. Are you guys ready for that? Yeah, of course, we're 100% ready, man. Um, yeah, like I said, we know their strengths and it's no secret. Everyone knows their strengths. Um, some stuff they do really well, but then, like with any other player, there are very few players in the world who, who don't have weakness also, you know. So for us, it's important to, to, to firstly know that, to do our analysis, of course, and time with time, players learn new stuff and, and we have to know the most recent. Um, weakness and, and strength and then we have to know the opportunity to, to exploit to exploit some of the stuff maybe they don't do well so yeah we, we, we already did some work already have some plans so hopefully we can see those opportunities man and, and uh, execute them and, and, and it can be a good match for South Africa man you, I mean obviously a lot of your work is making sure you take your line out Paul and doing your, your primary roles in the squad but there's also um, got, you've got a bit of a reputation in the URC of being a bit of a niggler getting under the opposition's skin. How important is that in the game? Yeah, of course, I think with um, in any professional sport, I think if, if one, it's, it's hard at times to, to control your emotion. And, and um, I think that's the idea behind what some, some guys do. We experienced that a bit with some of the English team in the last season. They tried to get under your skin, you know, and, and um, I think the idea behind that is to, is to try to get your force, you know, so you can... Um, Instead of focusing on your plan as with the team, you, you try to go after the individual, which will open caps in, in your own team, you know. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, I think. We, we've known that. We saw the matches against Australia with some of the stuff those guys did in the last, last season. So it's going to be for us a challenge to stay on course and to, to maintain focus and to maintain our plan. Again, not withholding our emotion, we have to start to to make sure we can you know express and, and, and throw everything we have into Australia so um, yeah I think it's going to be a good challenge and and um, uh, yeah a, a good uh, a big focus point for us to to stay on course last one you became a father the other day tell yeah. us how, how that's been and being in camp instead of trying to juggle both yeah no it was it, of, of course it's a it's a sacrifice of not me only there's a lot of guys who are expecting um, I think Jasper is also due now uh, in the next couple of days, so um, it's a challenge, but it's, it's to have to be a father. It's the most amazing feeling in the world, man. It's my second time now, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful that my wife and, and both my boys are, are healthy. So um, yeah, we sacrifice, we work so they can live a good life, you know. So, so yeah, um, uh, when I have uh, time to spend with them, I, I try to, to be present and enjoy it, man. 
So, what a clash. It promises to be tomorrow the Springboks against the Wallabies. That, of course, at Loftus Fasfeld tomorrow evening. The other game in the competition sees Argentina and New Zealand clash for the first time as well. Those two sides uh, in action. Remember, of course, uh, that the competition is a little bit different this year in terms of the fact that there is a Rugby World Cup. So there's no home and away in terms of uh, the uh, competition. So the teams uh, play, uh, the Springboks play Australia tomorrow, Argentina then play New Zealand tomorrow evening. That game is at 10 minutes past nine. And then the 15th of July, New Zealand at home to the Springboks, five past nine kickoff next Saturday. And then at quarter to 12, it's Australia against Argentina. And then two weeks later, on the 29th of July, um, Australia will play New Zealand in the Bledisla Cup and the Springboks will face Argentina in South Africa at five minutes past five. That is your preview of what promises to be a fantastic sporting weekend. If I've missed out on any of the sporting events uh, that you are following, well, I apologize for that. It's just such a busy sporting weekend and those main sporting events are the ones that we focused on. We will look back at a sporting weekend for you on Monday evening. As always, be nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.